Amen. Have a seat. I don't know why, but it feels like it feels like it's been like it's been a bit since I've gotten to share and shout. It's only been like two weeks, but whatever. I'm excited for this morning. I'm here. I've got like a full tank and I'm ready to go. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. Matthew's in the New Testament. So like the second half of the Bible when it's the first book. Now, because it's been a little bit of time, uh, I want to remind you that this year we've been working through a theme called Saga, Live the Bigger Story. And we've been looking at God's divine epic, his divine story, his, his saga. We've been looking at the story of God found in this book. And so we began our year together looking at creation, understanding that in the beginning, God created everything. He created the earth and everything in it. He created us. And in the beginning, in the beginning, we were created good. And then we moved on to the next chapter in this saga. We moved from creation to crisis. Because soon after creation, you have these human beings who have become dissatisfied with all they've been given. And they choose to act outside of how God commanded them. And when they do this, sin enters the world. This, this entry of sin is like a bomb going off. This explosion that, that affects everything. Death and disease and hurt and pain and cancer and abuse. All of this is sin and it all stems from this crisis. And so God sets forth a plan to fix it all, to make it all right. And we move to the next chapter of the saga called Calling. And God calls this guy named Abraham. And he explains to him that he's going to use him to begin this plan of bringing people out of this trap of sin. God tells Abraham, he says, I'm going to use you to begin this new kind of community of people who will be the kind of people in the world who will show the world what God is like, that they will take the blessings that they've been given and they will use them to bless the whole world. This people, this group that God calls. And so we enter this chapter called Calling, and then from there we move to the next chapter of God's saga called Conversation. And it's this conversation between God and his people. And we see these people move around as they continue their relationship with God. And if you remember, when we talked about this, there was this pattern that I taught you. Up, middle, down, middle, up, middle. Abraham, this guy that God calls, was up in the country to the north, the Middle East, where all the Bible stuff takes place. And God calls him to leave his home and to go south to the middle. And then a while later, a guy calls a guy named Joseph and Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, and he's taken farther south all the way to Egypt and northern Africa, so down. And then a few generations later, God sends a guy named Moses to free the Jewish people from Egypt and go back to the promised land, to the middle. And then Jews wander around in the desert for a bit, which is why that M is a bit longer. And then a lot of years later, there's armies that capture the Hebrew people. They take them up to these other countries, to their own countries. But eventually some of them return to the middle to rebuild their homes. Creation, crisis, calling, conversation. That's how far we've gotten in God's saga as of this morning. 
And so this morning, we're going to turn a pretty important page together because God's people are still messed up. Sin is still infecting all of creation, causing this separation between God and the creation that he loves. So God begins the next step of his plan to fix it, to to restore it. God comes into his own creation. God stoops. God puts on flesh and blood and moves into the neighborhood. The next chapter of the saga is called Christ. Because God becomes a human being in the person of Jesus. In the past few weeks with Engage, I think... I think that we've covered the story of Jesus quite well. The story of God coming among his creation is Jesus. The story of Jesus living a perfect life, a life where at no point did he give in to the sin that infects everything around him. The story of Jesus suffering a brutal death of crucifixion. Jesus dying a death that defeated sin and evil for everyone, for all time. Jesus dying for everything you've ever done wrong and everything you ever will do wrong. God, God hanging on a cross because he loves us so much that he will do whatever it takes to heal the brokenness in our lives. And then this story of Jesus dying on a cross, culminates with him defeating even death. Jesus raising from the grave. Jesus declaring that death is no longer the end of our story. In fact, because of Jesus, death is now just kind of like an address change of sorts. It's Jesus' story. This true story. This true story about Jesus who lived and who died and who three days later was seen by 500, like over 500 people. If you are in a courtroom and you are part of a trial and someone has committed a crime and there are over 500 people that see them commit this crime, that's an open and shut case. And three days after Jesus died, over 500 people saw him walking around again. The story is historical fact. It's as true as Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., The story is true, and it changes everything. It's this story that is the most important story ever because Jesus changes everything. Again, I know we've covered it, but I also think it it bears repeating. So I want to address something with you this morning. Because following Jesus, following Jesus isn't just about going to heaven when you die. Jesus has something to say about life here, now, today, in 2021. Jesus, this book, these scriptures have something to say to college students who have just barely survived midterms. Jesus has something to say about the realities of life right now in this world. So Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, I believe that these words, that this book, these scriptures, they themselves tell us that they are living and active, that they, they have something to teach us here, now, today. And Jesus gives us an invitation that's just as true for you right now as it, as it was when he said it 2,000 years ago. Does Jesus have something to say about being a college student in 2021? Yes. Does Jesus have something to say about stress? Yeah. Does Jesus have something to say to those of you who feel like life is a collection of spinning plates and you're just trying to hold it all together? Yeah. Jesus gives us an invitation. He says, come to me. He says, are you weary? Are you exhausted? Are you spending most days at this point just like trying to hold it together to get through the day? Jesus gives us an invitation. He says, he says come to me. He says, are you burdened? So are there things on your mind that they're like weighing you down and you can't sleep and you can't quit thinking about all this stuff and it feels heavy? Jesus says, come to me. Jesus offers you something. Jesus offers you rest. Jesus offers you rest. Now, it was common in Jesus' day for like religious leaders, for church people, to sit around and they would discuss Torah. And Torah for us would be like the first five books of the Bible, the law. And these Jewish religious leaders, these church people, these rabbis understand something. They had an opinion about everything. And you would hear them discussing and debating what they believed this stuff meant. And the questions, the one question that you would hear them ask each other over and over and over, they would debate which of all of these laws which is the most important law? What's the greatest commandment? And on these first five books of the Bible, all of these laws, all these commands, they would debate which one is the most important. It was, it was the question. It was huge. And so these rabbis would often discuss and they would debate and they would give their reason, their opinion, why a particular law was the most important. So one rabbi might say that the greatest commandment is, is from Leviticus 18, which says, don't let your children be sacrificed to other gods because God doesn't like that. And so for another rabbi, he might be like, yeah, yeah, that's a good command, but actually the greatest command in the Torah is actually found later on in Leviticus when it tells us not to reap the edges of our field, not to go over our vineyard a second time, but to leave them for the least among us, for the immigrant, for the poor, that's the most important. And somebody was like, yeah, yeah, that's a good command. But actually, the, bit, the most important command, and so they would debate like this over and over and over. What's the most important commandment? They would sit around and they would grill each other. And then, based off their answers, people would decide if they wanted to follow that particular rabbi. So people would listen to rabbis' answers, and sometimes it would be like, oh, yeah, I totally agree with that guy. I'll go to his church. I, that guy over there, eh, not so much. But this guy, I get what he's saying. And for these rabbis, 
their core teaching. That commandment that was central for them, their core teaching was known as that rabbi's yoke. So Jesus says, my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus brings freedom and healing and peace and lightness. If someone is pushing things onto you and they're claiming that those things are what it means to follow Jesus and it feels heavy and it feels like it's sucking the life out of you and it's robbing you of joy and kindness and compassion, then it's not Jesus. Jesus' yoke is easy and it brings lightness and freedom. I'm not saying that following Jesus is easy. I'm saying that Jesus' yoke brings lightness and freedom. Now, let's talk about something that is not at all relevant to college students. Stress. <laughs> Thanks for the, the like pity laugh in the front. I appreciate that. In light of what we just read from Jesus, what do you do with stress? First of all, I want to suggest something, and it might feel a bit hypocritical to everything I've been saying, but hear me. Stress is not always a bad thing. In itself, stress is not like an evil thing. So if you feel stress, it doesn't mean that like Satan's attacking you. That's not necessarily the case. In fact, I know that like there are times when a little bit of stress, a little bit of busyness, that it's actually pushed me to be better, to stick with it, that the, the grind sometimes is helpful. Stress isn't a bad thing. It's our reaction to the pressures that can make it bad. It's our reaction to the pressure of our life that makes stress bad. It's our inability to set boundaries in our life. Some of us here in this room have the incredible inability to say the word no. I firmly believe that no is one of the most biblical words in the scriptures that you can't continue to pile more onto an already full plate. <laughs> Turn with me, flip back a few books to the left. You guys are like, oh, finally somebody's saying it. It's okay to say. I'm not saying you can say no to homework. Sorry. I, let, let me just throw that in there before I get emails. Flip back to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Let's look at this really, really quickly this morning. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. We've just read as part of the Ten Commandments, it's actually number four. God tells us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So God tells us, he says, he commands us. He says, hey, one, once a week, one day a week, for the whole day, not one hour, not, hey, I have this break between two classes, but one whole day a week, we're commanded to stop, to slow down, to cease activity and busyness, and we're invited to realign ourselves with what it means to follow God. 
with what it means to be part of this creation. God orders us to slow down, to wipe stress from our plate one day a week. So when you look back at the words of Jesus, this and him inviting us to come to him, this is in the context of somebody that once every seven days we're recommended, we're told, we're commanded to take a break. Once every seven days that we'd stop, we'd take a breath, we'd look around, we'd breathe deeply, and then from there, we re-enter the world. Now, I want to be real, because I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor Zach, I don't have time to take a Sabbath, that's really cute, I don't have time to slow down, I don't know what day you're anticipating me doing this, but you don't get it. I have class, and I have practice, and I have work, and then there's also this girl Pastor Zach, you don't get it. We are in two-a-days all fall, so I'd love for you to tell me when I'm expected to take a day off. Maybe, maybe the stress you feel is in equal proportion to the pace that you're living. If you're too busy to take a day, then you're too busy. If the stress of your life is consuming you, to the point where you don't have time for a break, then it's time to quit stuff. But you have to be honest about it. You have to say, it's not maybe that I'm too busy, it's that maybe I uh, am not using my time wisely. You see, I want to see you succeed. And I believe that saying no and taking a Sabbath are the ways to do that. The danger is that when we fail to stop, when we fail to slow down, we limit what God can do through us. We were designed. We were designed with the necessity to take Sabbath, to take breaks. We were created. We were created to be broken open and poured out. We were called to be a certain kind of people in the world. But when we don't stop, when we don't take time once every seven days to rest, to refill, to recharge, what we end up with is we end up with an empty cup. And so you have this life, and in the typical week, there's any number of things where parts of you are poured out for another person, for another thing. So you have class, and you have homework, and you have your roommate with all the drama. You know the one. And you have, you have your parents, which you apparently still have to call. You have a job. You have your coach. You have, you have the, <laughs> I don't know what team that was for. That's crazy, Byron. Uh, you have, you see the problem, folks, is that you can't, you can't give from an empty cup. And what I'm watching right now is I'm watching so many of you try to do this. There's got to be more in here. There's got to be more in here. They want me to go harder. They want me to go stronger. They want me to go faster. I've got to get that project done. I've got to get that assignment done. My roommate really needs me. There's that guy over there that I really got to talk to. My coach wants this. It's two days. I got to go. You can't, folks. This is what I'm watching. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so biblically, the God who created you knows you so well that he knows this isn't possible. And so what he says is, what he commands is, once every seven days, 
you have to go back to the source. You're still going to have to be poured out and broken open for things. But once every seven days, you're going back to the source, and you're saying, God, God, give me what I need so that I can go for another six days. And then you go, and you pour yourself out in all of those ways, and you grind, and you work hard. And then once every seven days, you stop. You say, God, give me what I need to go another six days. So you stop, and you rest. I'm going to invite my worship band to come up. I believe that you need rest. You need rest. Jesus invites us to rest, to Sabbath. Because the, the thing is, folks, in our culture, we're addicted to the pace. We're addicted to production. We believe that we're supposed to be machines. We're addicted to that. And I believe that Central can be a different kind of community in the world, a community where we encourage you to rest. And if your life is programmed honestly to the point where you can't take a Sabbath, then we as an institution have to work on some things. Because we weren't created to simply produce. Your worth is not based on what you can produce. Your worth is based on who God calls you to be, and that's his child. Hear me. Is there time in your life when you can rest? Is there time in your life where you can stop and say, God, this week, this week I took some hits. I had some chunks knocked out of me. There was that conversation with that person on my wing, and I'm still thinking about it. There's that interaction with my coach, and I know my coach is right, but it's still taking me off, and I'm still carrying it. Is there a time during the week where you can stop long enough to say, God, I had some pieces knocked out of me, and so what I need this week, God, is I need you to fill me up and put me back together so I can go another six days. The call is rest. Call is Sabbath. I was, uh, I was in this, this class for my grad program where we were, where we were talking about this. And, and I was in class with this guy named Jared who was from Trinidad. And he had like the coolest accent ever. And Jared like knows his Bible like better than anybody I've ever been around. He like, like leaks scripture when he talks. And Jared was really passionate about about Sabbath. Actually, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, so he like, like really was passionate about Sabbath. And there was this other guy in my class, and we were talking about this, this idea of rest. There's this other guy, and he was bragging. And he said, I haven't taken a day off in like two months. He was like bragging about it. He was like, I work hard every day. I don't take a day off. And this is like ministry, like grad school. And, he, <coughs> and so we were like, dude, why haven't you taken a day off in two months, it's out of control. And he's like, I haven't taken a day off because the devil doesn't take a day off. And then my friend Jared looks at him and he's like, yeah, but the devil loses. It's like this mic drop moment. The danger is that we can believe 
but our identity is in what we produce. And I have this theory that the number of you right now that feel tired and feel stressed and feel burned out, what would it look like for you to say, okay, I have this time in my schedule. I just need to fix it so that I'm giving myself a day when my work is done, even if it isn't. My work is done. even if, I'm, I'm going to give myself a day where I turn my phone off. I'm going to give myself a day and say, God, I'm empty, and I need you to fill me back up and put me back together. So we're going we're gonna to sing another song together, and I just invite you to close your eyes. I invite you to maybe ask the Lord this morning, what in this is true for you? What in, what in this is, maybe it's conviction. Maybe it's, no, I'm good. But I just invite you to take some space, and, and as you sing, maybe, maybe even be quiet. Let the Lord speak to you. Let me pray. God, it's so difficult to, to have to wrestle with this in the midst of a culture that tells us that it's wrong. It, it feels counter to every way that we live. And God, I, I think that's because it is counter. And so I pray during this time, in these next few moments, that you would speak to our hearts. God, if there's a way we can realign with you, if there's a way we can rest, give us wisdom to know how to do that. Or show us the things in our lives that when we do them, it actually replenishes our soul and not drains it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to receive these words from Jesus as a sending, as a benediction this morning. Again, hear these words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Grace and peace.